Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is now partnering with the Mazadcast, offering you the best Mizzou gear on the market. All you have to do is enter the promo code Mizzou and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. So do it now. Home Field Apparel, the best stuff you can get. The football season is in full swing, and Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use our promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Throw slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's racked up to short middle. Beatty with the catch, and he's going to jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree, running left. Gets 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the end. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Dan Mullins, shoe salesman, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not joining us tonight is Caleb Bungart. Well, that's not true. I say not joining us. He could pop on at any time. Had his Nambla meeting tonight. And yep, that's get, right. gets done late on Mondays, and we're recording the show on a Monday because we had a lot to talk about. It wasn't just football this weekend, although Missouri did lose to the Georgia Bulldogs at home over the weekend, 49-14. to 14. It was ugly, but there was also a basketball game, so we're going to cover it all. Colin, will you, should we jump into the football game now? I, I suppose that's why we're here. <laughs> The enthusiasm is palpable. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, disappointing from the point Mizzou tied it up 14-all. I thought, okay, well, we started out really, really bad. We shouldn't do what we did to open the 
game against a top 10 opponent, which is to cough up a huge, major, major, major turnover. Then yeah, basically you know, that hand them. That was some- frustrating. That was a tough catch to make, but it hit him in the hands. And I, I tweeted about it and I, and I got some pushback and I you can got, understand. You got ratio. If you're going to play the number six team in the nation, you got to make that catch. I know it's a super hard catch. I know it's a, not a catch that a lot of people are going to make, but if you as Mizzou want to beat Georgia, you got to make that catch. You got to play above and beyond what is, is, is normal if you're going to beat the number six team in the nation. And so the worst part about that is not only does he not catch it, it lands right in the breadbasket of a Georgia defender. And that was a, a tough way to start. It reminded me a little bit of the Tennessee game when we started with Sean Robinson and just kind of put ourselves behind the eight ball right out of the shoot. You know, just as Andrew Stevens said in the pregame show, don't get down to Georgia early. You know what I mean? That was the one thing we knew. This is not a team you want to get down to early because they will just sit on your ass and smother the air out of you. And that's what they did, essentially. I mean, like I said, we did not up this game at 14-all near the end of the half, and it looked like we were going to go into the half tied. And having started very poorly – and kind of take that as a win. But what did we do? We, with very little time left in the second quarter, we let Georgia score a touchdown and go up at the end of the half. And then they never looked back the entire second half. It's like we never came out of the locker room. I think everyone's expectation was this. We were probably going to lose this game. It's, it would have been a huge upset were we to win it. But of all the games we have played this season, this was probably as disappointing for me as any of them because of the way we lost. I mean, we've put 14 points and seven of those points came off a blocked punt. I mean, we scored a touchdown on the, in the next play with, with the offense, but that, that, that touchdown was created by special teams. We just didn't score any points. We come out of halftime and we, we just looked like we had resigned ourselves to an outcome that we couldn't control. I just felt like we didn't move the ball. We didn't play defense. We just, we sort of like, well, we, George is just better than us. We're just going to take our, our beating and, you know, and keep working. And it's like, no, like you should, we just didn't put up enough fight in the second half for me. No, we did not. And I think you call we talked about it a little bit over the weekend is that uh, a lot of it just had to do with the fact that the, we were outmanned on the line of scrimmage going both ways. And that's kind of the death knell for the entire team. Missouri has parts. I mean, Basilac's going to be a fine SEC quarterback. I think Drinkwitz has got the goods. I think he's a good game day coach. I think, you know, he's he continues to prove that he knows how to recruit. But if you're going to play Florida and you're going to play Georgia and you're going to play Alabama, you got to get better in the trenches. When you run into teams that are this talented, that's where it shows up. We couldn't get any pressure. We couldn't get in Georgia's backfield. Our offensive line was just a sieve, uh, base lack, and the running backs couldn't get anything going. I mean, it was the difference between our offensive and defensive line in Georgia's was stark. Well, and of course, they now have a uh, quarterback, too, who they just decided that they were going to be able to throw all day on our receivers. And eventually, it was going to break open because there's no threat of him really getting uh, sacked much. No, that's what I mean. Like, we're playing man. We we play man, which I love. I like a a defense that plays man because it it lets you be more aggressive. But at the end of the day, if your defensive line can get no pressure, then man becomes very dangerous because now your guys are on an island. Nobody can cover for three and four seconds. You know what I mean? You got to be able to get home with your pressure, and we couldn't. And I think it was pretty obvious that Nick Bolton was not 100%. And like I said, our defensive line of themselves just can't, could not apply any pressure. And so that man defense for your corners and your safeties becomes a huge liability when they've got to cover for way too long. We were a team. 
think part of the reason, Colin, you said this was one of the more upsetting games for you was that like we did have a little wind in our sails coming into this game. We had won three games in a row. We'd won games we were not supposed to. We came off a big quote unquote rivalry game against Arkansas. And I mean, we just, everybody was feeling good in Tiger Country and we got ranked number 25 in the uh, latest college football playoff rankings. So we were starting to believe our own hype, I think a little bit too. And, and not to say that our hype wasn't justified because I do think it is, but we're just not, not at the caliber of Georgia yet. No. And, but that's what I mean. And if we're going to get to that caliber, it's nice to have drink wits and it's nice to have Basilac, but the glaring hole in this team is is beef, and uh, we can get beef, you know, if if uh, if Drinkwitz recruits it, and because uh, like I said, I feel like with Drinkwitz, if you give him the ingredients, he can he's going to make something that you're going to like. But right now, we're we're lacking a few ingredients, which is not something every team can say. Jeremy Pruitt, you can give him all the ingredients you want; he's going to make a, a a cake made of shit, <laughs> and. That's not what Drinkwitz is. You give him the right ingredients, he's going to make you something you really want to eat. I would like to see the defensive line at full strength because you talk about the having the ingredients. I think guys who see like Manuel, he is going to be a star for this team for a few years to come. He, his name he gets, plays that sort of hybrid safety linebacker position and, and is, is the guy who makes, aside from Bolton, makes a lot of big defensive plays. Right. And then we have Nick Bolton, who is the big shining star for this team. He eats up so much space in that defense. There are a number of guys. You know, Trajan Jeffcoat has had good games and i think gillespie and bledsoe are both are both solid brain safeties i mean we we again we have components on defense that work our but our biggest liability on defense is the defensive line and their inability to get home and we can talk to our blue in the place about the shit we don't have well let me ask it was you. a bad game ultimately in the second half we were a little outclassed it's plain and simple well let me ask you about our secondary real quick Colin, because when i'm watching and i know like you said the being beat at the line means the quarterback has all day jt daniel to get the ball wherever he wants it and let the receiver get wherever in the field he wants but i get frustrated watching our secondary manage to stay with the backs a lot of times it, it, our secondary doesn't look like lsu secondary which is when somebody scores a touchdown against lsu you often don't see an lsu defender on the television screen you know what i mean like they're <laughs> yeah, in they're not in position when yeah. we get beat it's not that our guy's right there it's just he's never turned around he doesn't know where the ball is he you know he's reacting to the receiver but he's in position and that happens a lot i mean you're right and that's it's not necessarily forgivable but the guys who can run with those wide receivers, turn their hips, turn around, turn their head, find the ball, play on Sundays. The things you're describing are really are the difference between a college defensive back and an NFL defensive back. And, well, I uh, think you expect them. To, I mean, it's not just the NFL cornerbacks um, who can turn around. I mean, you ask them all to do it because it's not all about talent. Some of it's about timing. No, that's what I mean. Like some guys have a nose for the ball. Some guys know how to turn around. But my point is, is some guys are a, it takes everything I can do just to keep up with the wide receiver. And that's enough in a lot of levels. Some guys can keep up with the wide receiver, turn their head, find the ball in space and knock it down or God forbid, catch it. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bigger ass than it sounds. I'm not making excuses for our secondary. You're right. I wish they'd turn around more. I wish they'd knock down more balls, but I wish they wouldn't popcorn it into the receiver's hands sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm like I said, I agree. I agree. I, I just when I look at our when I when I see that game and when I see us getting beat, I have a lot more problems with, like I said, the interior defensive line not getting home than I do with the defensive backs. Because like you mm -hmm. said, they are step for step with them. George has got some players who are gonna win the fifty fifty battles. <laughs> well, in size yeah. alone, I mean, you know, we yeah. have some small 
cornerbacks, and I obviously I've seen those guys go up for those 50-50 balls. And when the receiver's six nine, you know, I mean, all he has to do is lift yeah. up, and it's out of the hands of the cornerback. Yeah, it was like I said, the second half was disappointing. I would have liked to see more fight in them. That was the first time I thought, you know what, Drink, you're not getting as much out of these guys as I want you to. But ultimately, it's hard to be too down. We were already wildly exceeded expectations. I tell you what, if we don't, if we play like that this week, you're gonna, I'm gonna be not happy. No, I mean that's the thing. And Mississippi State is not a great football team. But if you play like that, you're gonna lose. That's right. A- any team in this SEC may be short of Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt was bad enough that I think that uh, you can have an off day. But anybody else, you know, they'll take advantage of you because look at Mississippi State. You look at Arkansas. You look at any of these teams who have a bad record. Again, aside from Vanderbilt. They're like one play away in like two or three games, including games against us. There's no sleepers in this game. And it was disappointing to, you know, if you're going to throw out a turd, I guess, though, you kind of would rather do it against Georgia than Mississippi State because you actually have more of a shot of beating Mississippi State. If there's a rule that says you have to squat a turd out in your season, and I think there is at Mizzou because that seems to be the protocol, yeah, sure. then uh, get it done. I guess lay your turd in against Georgia. And they well, sure Brent, did. And you're in luck because we laid a big, greasy, grizzly bear shit this week. <laughs> Why don't we switch? gears to something a little bit more uh, pleasant to talk about, Colin. They've certainly earned the uh, airtime. It's the Mizzou basketball team, or should I say the number 16 in the country Mizzou basketball team? Who, uh, I don't even recognize this team when I watch them play. <laughs> I don't recognize numbers being mentioned in front of Missouri. You know what I mean? That well, hasn't happened I mean, in a long they time. They were such a disastrous, disjointed mess, especially on offense for the last three years. Like I couldn't tell what they were doing. Everybody seemed to be treating the basketball like a hot potato. Like, please, somebody else take this and shoot it. Yeah, it, that's right. And now Pinson wants he wants the ball. Smith wants the ball. And that Kobe Brown wants to – the guy wants to shoot more than I want him to shoot. Right. At least he wants to shoot. Like he wants to – they got guys on the – the court right now who want the ball in their hands and then on the rare occasion when they actually shoot it down there to Tillman you can he obviously his first instinct is to take it to the rack it's it's a different basketball team well and I also have confidence a lot of the guys will actually make the damn shot Colin yeah Mizzou teams have been bad but god they've been terrible shooting teams and that's really I think one of the more frustrating things watching basketball is a team that just makes it look like there's a lid on the bucket they have shot a lot better one thing I'll say for Conzo's team they always the defensive effort is always there though it it, they still seem to their game plan up until this season seemed to be get down by twenty early and uh, see if they could scrape. It was either we're going to try to scrape back for the entire game or just lose by fifty. Mm-hmm. That's not this year because shots are falling and they're still playing decent defense and suddenly they're winning basketball games. Yeah, they're five and zero, oh, and the the big game that vaulted them into the top twenty five this week is of course their win over number six Illinois in the bragging rights game that was for the first time hosted in Columbia with a sparse. COVID crowd and uh, Mizzou made it close at the end, but they held out for the, they led throughout the game and held out for a huge victory. And is that a couple in a row, isn't it? I think against Illinois, three. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I liked is they were great from the the, uh, the foul line. I mean, they don't win that game if they aren't good from the foul line. And I tell you what, that, there's a couple of years ago where they were not good from the foul line, and so it, that's just easy points. And they put them away. Oh, they were impressive. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I have nobody's been harder on Conzo than me. I was. Mm, I fully expected them to sort of, you know, like I said, it's very early on, but I fully expected them to disappoint once again and us be looking for a new coach in the season. Well, and yeah, that, there's a lot of basketball. That is not the direction right now. No, it's it's going well, and I think we bought ourselves a little uh, goodwill, too. I mean, I think we are a good-looking basketball team. I mean, maybe it's purely psychological, but they just look bigger to me on the court. You know what I mean? They look like a big, mature team, and I always felt like maybe we were 
undersized or just you know what i don't know it's just it is psychological for me both football and basketball wise when we're not very good i feel like we we look small and whenever we have a little confidence we just look like a bigger team and they look like a bunch of men out there on the basketball court and if you flip them the ball they're gonna make a 10 footer and if they're perched at three point line they might make a three pointer and we're gonna get some rebounds and it's just a solid all around team it's not one big leader it looks like a lot of guys who play well together yeah they look like a uh, like a good proficient basketball team it shouldn't be that shocking but when you've been a mizzou fan it's a new thing we're re-entering the world of relevancy in college basketball in this covid year where everybody's kind of predicting there's going to be a bunch of cancellations more than football obviously because it's a smaller roster and it's going to be more impacted mm-hmm. as if there weren't enough challenges and order to keep this team decent. I mean, I, I am looking at this SEC conference that we're going to play in, and there are some definite teams. I mean, there are certain teams who have made themselves real presence in the college basketball world. And then I feel like maybe there's a little bit of the SEC was overhyped for a while. And I, I think we can make hay in this conference. We were picked 10th. Yeah. And uh, now Conzo Martin hasn't made any bones about him being, ins- he was insulted by that, but I mean, they had not been very good. Uh, he was right. They are, there's no way this is the 10th best team in the SEC. No, and they're the top three right now. And the thing about us being ranked 10th, Colin, and being mad about it is that uh, that's an upgrade from where we'd been sitting. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, we, yeah, we we had, uh, you know, we'd been in the worst team in the SEC almost a couple of years. I mean, we we were winning nine games, 10 games under Kim Anderson. So, like, we were a fucking bottom dweller. You know, we were bad. Let's call it what it is. Conzo had been better than Kim Anderson, no doubt, but not much better. We made the tournament yeah. the first year with a pretty good roster, but we also lost in the first round of the SEC tournament. We also lost in the first round of the tournament. I mean, like, we did not have a, a blowout, knocked out season his first go around. So everybody's pretty high on Conzo now, and rightly so. But I mean, let's not pretend that up until this season it had been a product that anyone could be proud of. You look at the top 25, there's not a lot of SEC teams you got to go up against that are that great this year. You know, Tennessee's a really good team this year but it's weird i think i don't know that may be the only goddamn other sec school that's currently ranked in the top 25 colin so i mean i felt like we belonged as one of the top basketball schools in this conference since we joined it back in 2012 and i feel like god damn it maybe this is the year we take our place where we belong well it, it, like i said it'd certainly be nice to go to the tournament again and and not just lose in the first round immediately be not, it's been a long time since we made any noise in the tournament it's been a long time since we've been ranked above virginia duke and north carolina <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a while, sure. <laughs> but that is where we sit in this weird time on uh, November at 14th. We are more highly ranked than Duke basketball and North Carolina basketball. Well, I tell you what, like, I didn't know what Duke was, but when Duke got their fucking pants pulled down and their hiney spanked by Illinois, I was like, oof. Yeah. I'm like, we've been playing well, but I don't know about all that. Yeah, I mean, Duke's got two losses now. North Carolina's got two losses. Illinois now has two losses thanks to us. I and mean, we're 5-0. and oh. They're having trouble finding reasons not to rank us at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, we went from not being ranked to 16. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah, well, I mean, what that says is the media saying, oh, we overlooked this team. You know, they belong. Yeah. And, and I think Well, that, I would hope so. After, I mean, not only we've been winning, we've been winning against ranked opponents. Yeah, Oregon and Illinois now, and we've had five chances, two of them against ranked opponents, and we've proven ourselves every time. I don't know. I mean, I don't really have expectations for this team, Colin. Like I said, I've 
I've been too checked out in the Conzo and Kim Anderson era to have a, like a prediction. But now that we're five and zero and look good, I don't want to. I don't want to make our expectations too high for what would make me happy. But I definitely think this team needs to return to the NCAA tournament, and we need to get past the first round. You know what I mean? We haven't seen our way fa- past the first round of a tournament in a long time, and maybe well, I mean, a win or two in the SEC tournament here and there is not good enough for Conzo Martin. He's to just keep his job ultimately. Well, I mean, this sure. is a great start, and I want it to continue. But this is see, this is year four. He needs to. Make Make some hay. That's true. I mean, this season could completely take a uh, nosedive at any point in the narrative change altogether. Absolutely. But, but I uh, I tweeted it out after the game. I was like, all right, I'm bought in because I hadn't been. I was I was just too skeptical of Conzo Martin because I'd seen too much basketball, bad basketball. But I bought in, and as in and was one of the my followers pointed out. Be prepared to have your heart broken. And as a Mizzou <laughs> fan, I always am. Yeah, I right. am bought in. Well, and I think that's good. We tell ourselves as fans that we, to be fair to these coaches, we should give them four years to establish their program because they got to get their own guys and blah, blah, blah. But the problem with that is you hope in year one, two, and three that you're seeing visible progress, that things are moving in the right direction. And there was no sign that anything was moving in the right direction until this year happened. Yeah, I think anybody that said it has not taken them by surprise that Mizzou is 5-0 is a liar. Anybody that says that they knew this was a possibility is not telling the truth. Yeah, they're a damn dirty liar. This is a pleasant surprise, and uh, we should ride it as long as we can. Certainly, Conzo Martin's going to, because like you said, his his job pretty much depends on this season, the way it turns out. If it does turn out well, I mean, is he vindicated for the first three years that would make you pull your own hair out? I mean, yeah, to a certain extent. It's like, if we're going to decide that you're going to have to give a coach three and four years to establish themselves, well, if he's if he have a good season, you say, well, well, what is a good your se- establishment year? What is a good season for you? What what determines that? Like, what is what would you be happy with to have Conzo back again in the year twenty twenty one? Realistically, I want to win in the NCAA tournament. Just one win. It doesn't have to be two. Two would be great. Don't get me wrong. But like, we need to go to the NCAA tournament. We need to win a game. My biggest concern is is that part of the success Mizzou is having is they've got a, a very old experienced team. Yeah, and that old experienced team is going to disappear pretty quickly all at once. And so even if we have some success this season, I, from Conso's standpoint, I don't know. I worry about the longevity <laughs> of that competitive success. But, yeah. You, know, you got to take it when you can get it. And we need at least, we need at least one win in the NCAA tournament. We need to be competitive in the SEC tournament, if not win it. You know what I mean? Like we need to be in the championship game of the SEC tournament. I think that's a high expectation on the conference tournament round, but I think it's a fair, if not low bar for the, uh, NCAA ran. I mean, this is, God damn it. We need to do better than just making a tournament. We, we need wins. And yeah, so, that's right. and, and this is, and we've seen, this is a team that has enough talent to produce those kinds of, that kind of depth. This mm-hmm. looks like a team that could be a sweet 16 team at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like if that's where this season ended. They do right now. They yeah, do right exactly. Now. So I, no, I'd take that too. I think if, uh, if, if that's what he was to accomplish, then we can definitely say, and on a, like, as far as it being an old team and that maybe not being around too long, that's probably true. But it's nice to have an older team for once because ever since sort of the Haith era was unraveling, God, we've had so many transfers out and just guys bouncing in and bouncing out that I couldn't even hardly keep track of sometimes. It's nice Mm -hmm. to have a a group of guys that you remember from the year before and the year before that. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like there's some continuity to the team that was missing for a long time. And I can't help but think that that isn't a big part of why there's some success because there has not been continuity for a long time with this program. No, and if if nothing else, Conzo Martin has has established that. I mean, it is his program. Kids aren't leaving left, right, and center. You, you've the, the, the same players. The players seem to have bought in to what Conzo's selling. They look like a legitimate program right now. 
and I hope they continue to do so. Because if they don't, I will be screaming for Conzo Martin's head. <laughs> well, the real test, if you're going to look past these games, and I'd like to, is Tennessee. They play in t- uh, number 10 Tennessee two weeks from now on the, on the 30th. Now, Tennessee hadn't played that many games, but they have a lot of high expectations based on what they've done in the past. So there's not a lot of basketball until we get into January, Colin, but that, that will be the real test. I mean, honestly, at this point, those are two of the best teams in the SEC, Missouri and Tennessee, coming up at the end of the year. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. I hope I've gotten a vaccine by then so I can watch it with people. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, well, and Colin, frankly, it'll give us a little something to talk about once in a while. I, you know, if Mizzou's competitive, we'll be happy to keep doing podcasts, I would think, because when yeah. Mizzou basketball is- season has ended, typically the basketball team has been so bad it wasn't worth our time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you going to talk about when you're getting beat like on a five-game losing streak? There's not a lot to- <laughs> Discuss. When you're losing to Division Two teams or whatever. Yeah, the kangaroos are beating you. A fun college basketball team is as much fun to follow as, as any sports team. It's a lot of fun when you're good in the college basketball world. It's a fun sport to follow. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, Colin, we are following a loss in football, so I know we don't have as many uh, voicemails, but why don't we get into those now? And of course, we're not going to have a sour grace segment, so we're not going to have another hour and a half episode is what I'm trying to say. I'm, nobody's going to be upset about that. <laughs> that is probably true. Well, why don't we go take our first break for the day, come back and hit those voicemails and see what the fans had to say. This is the Mazodcast. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know, I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what, they have good stuff. I shaved and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> they're the number one men's below the belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. <laughs> Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I, I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero turn mower. It gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's scrote safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bull whip, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. The Blair Oaks Falcons are once again state champions. And the only place to get your 2020 state champions Falcons cap is at The Local. Go to shoplocalswag.com and use the promo code STATECHAMPS and receive 10% off of your order. They're only available for a limited time, so get yours today. Shop Local Swag. Your school, but cooler. This is some listener music. Comes to us from Chris Pritham, 8-Ball, and Keelan Ellis. It's called Room 306. If you're a musician and you'd like to get your music on the air, send it to mazodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we'll play all these songs, if you like them, in their entirety after the show. As promised, the uh, listeners had some thoughts about this uh, devastating game against Georgia, so why don't we play the mailbag now and hear what you all had to say. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. And as always, the listener line is sponsored by Game 6 Honky Tonk in St. Louis, the only live country music bar in downtown St. Louis, as far as I know. Yep, a taste of Nashville right here in Missouri. 
and the only one to sponsor our profane mailbag. <laughs> Absolutely, and proud to do so. Hot halftime take here. I'm already tired of looking at JT Daniels' stupid face. He's one ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> M-I-Z. Well. <laughs> well, when, you, when you're losing, when you're losing a football game, just make fun of how they look. <laughs> Your quarterback's ugly. Fuck you. What an absolute horseshit way to end the half. Yeah, come on. We can beat these guys, all right? We cannot. No, no, we can't. No. Unfortunately. Ryan Walters, Jekyll and Hyde defense, man. That's going to be a key to the second half. Uh, it's halftime now. Speaking of keys, our running game will keep us in the second half, but we are going to need no, a strong passing game if we want to win the game. Mm-mm. I hope the boys can do it. I really want that guy who fucks fat chicks after wins to be able to, to lay wood to a whale tonight. So, uh, M-I-Z. <laughs> Z-O-U. We all want that. We know that Georgia won the game, but hopefully he won the after party. Hey, yeah, it's Dick Wiley again. I'm back here. I'm only 11 minutes in the third quarter, but I can see what's going on. I appreciate what Coach Springs is doing, and Connor Bazelak's still sticking up for that knee in the head from number 99 on Georgia. Maybe. But uh, we've got nothing going for us. Georgia's going to be us by three touchdowns. Mark my words. Maybe four. Who knows? This is a shit show. Could have been the best day in Mizzou sports history, but who knows what happens. All right. Lucky you guys. Bye. <laughs> Um, oh, speaking of that knee to the back of the head for Baselak, I mean, his head bent in weird ways. That was nasty. How is that not a personal foul? Because it was against us. I mean, I hate to say, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I mean, fuck. We got that Bolton call last week for nothing. And then. Well, and th- you remember last week where the rusher basically rushed at Connor Baselak's knee? No personal foul. Not a problem. That's how they opened the game last week. Thanks, Barry Odom's defense. Stop the count. The system is corrupt. Stop the count. <laughs> I wish we could have with about three minutes left in the second quarter. Same here. Houston Tiger here. Um, just to let you know, like this is just at the moment we're getting fucked on by Georgia and this is really ugly. But I promise to not fucking swear too fucking much because I wouldn't fucking want to get in the fucking swear jar. But they're just much better. This is a game that we knew we get housed and we're getting housed and you almost close your eyes and feel like the prison new boy anyway because i feel like him right now we're getting dicks all right later yes all that's true yes the analogy of prison rape is accurate well i mean we got to change something about the defense in the offseason i mean i've never remembered a ryan walters defense looking very good if you look back at the season this season while it's been like a really big accomplishment any offense with a pulse we've even have 40 points plus like every game georgia alabama florida tennessee I mean, Arkansas, it's just kind of sad. We do give up a lot of points. When we play anybody good, we get exposed quickly. Yep. No D-line. Fuck Georgia and their stupid-ass dog. I hope fucking other gets ran over by a goddamn garbage truck. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> I like the spirit of that call. That's that's why we have a listener line, that sort of take. Yep. Yeah, well, I don't want a dog to die at the hands of a trash truck. I can appreciate his vega. Retweet. If there's any upside for Mizzou fans in this sort of down moment, just know that we took care of our rival Arkansas and we fucked up our rival Illinois. So while Georgia may have beaten us, if you uh, touch our border, we're going to fuck you up. <laughs> 
We have done a lot of that so far this year. I sure wish we could do it against Kansas in basketball. You know, we were supposed to have done it before Bill well, chickened out. Forget what chicken shit pussies they are. No, yeah. I haven't forgotten. I have not forgotten. Oh, okay. okay. But you are correct. You uh, you described it perfectly. All right, Colin. Well, why don't we uh, switch gears? It is time for Kansas news. Well, I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas: sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story of the day is a Kansas man grows business with a small livestock. Worms. But that's profitable. <laughs> well, you know. Isn't can't- that the business that they wanted to start in Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. Well- I've got worms. <laughs> Well, that was a warm retail store, Colin. This is a warm farm, literally the only thing they can grow in Kansas besides prairie dogs and sunflowers. Colin, just listen to how this one starts out. They eat, they crawl, they defecate. Now, that describes just about everything in Kansas, frankly. So this guy's name is Lloyd Christmas? That's right. Each time they do worms, excrete yummy morsels for plants to feed on worm castings, which is what they call their excrement, not only help plants grow, but they ward off detrimental insects. A little more than a year ago, Dan Rasher, otherwise known as Lloyd Christmas, started Hutchinson-based Fed and Happy Worm Livestock Company that helps farmers and gardeners keep their crops and vegetables happy. Since he was a kid growing up in Goodland, Kansas, Rasher knew worms were special. <laughs> you know, Colin, I had posters of Michael Jordan and Ozzy yeah. Smith and like a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. This guy looked up to an eight-inch nightcrawler. Yeah. Sounds like the kind of guy that got laid a lot in high school. <laughs> well, they called him the worm for a reason. <laughs> yeah. He used to play in the dirt and tossed his grandfather, a fisherman, his bait. When Rasher grew up, he realized just how crucial these tiny invertebrates were to the environment. If it grows, there's an application for it, said Rasher, who rents out space in an old industrial building near the Hutchison Regional Airport. It sounds like where people do business in the end of, like, cop movies. You know, that's where they see the bad guy. It's always an industrial building out by the dock. Sure. That's where he grows his worms. The worms are kept in rows of dirt. Minimal processing is used. Well, no shit. So you don't have to have a a ton of machinery to grow a worm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. They just went to that abandoned prairie dog meat rendering plant and put a couple of pottery boxes in and started growing them some worms. Yeah. It turns out you don't need tens of thousands of dollars of expensive machinery. You need one big flat rock, according to my backyard. I've grown yeah. plenty of worms. <laughs> You're a connoisseur yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, to keep his livestock content, he keeps the lights off. Well, that's that's thoughtful. They like to be treated with care. He said they're continually looking for ways to reduce stress. Kansas farmers and gardeners can make their own castings, also known as vermicomposting, but Kansans just know it as what shows up occasionally in their stool. <laughs> It's yeah. an or- Every Kansan is their own worm factory. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's already cleared $3,600 this year. <laughs> I don't know that he's done that. How do you get the word out about your worm? I don't know. Is there a big word of mouth market for nightcrawlers? Anyway, it's, uh, it's the economy of Kansas thriving. Kansas man riding lawnmower on freeway charged with DUI. I kind of feel like this is actually strange. I mean, I guess the DUI, I I know driving a riding lawnmower on a Kansas interstate is not against the law. Can't be. Well, I feel it like constitutes mo- at least two thirds of the vehicles transporting on their roads. You just can't do it drunk, regardless. <laughs> Colin, there's a good chance the cop that pulled him over was pulling him over on his own lawnmower. Yeah, painted sure. blue. Absolutely. You know, it's the law enforcement officer is every bit as likely to be in a, a lawnmower. And you know, this is the 
automobile of the DUI holder, right? This is a guy who's already lost his license. That's my guess. Anyway, it's not unusual for officers to pull over a suspected drunk driver on the highways of Kansas. They just admit that in their newspaper. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. They're constantly drunk. That's Uh, the thing that happens But it is fairly rare to find the suspected drunken driver on a major thoroughfare driving a lawnmower. That's what Shawnee County Sheriff's deputy said when they encountered Wednesday a man driving a lawnmower on the southbound shoulder of Highway 75 near Topeka. The 25-year-old man identified as Dalton Hunt, was stopped and arrested on suspicion of driving under the influence after he failed a field sobriety test. You know, there's part of me that's like, you know what, fuck these cops. Like, there's a guy that's having to drive a lawnmower. Yeah, he's having a bad day. This guy's not living his best life. And so you're going to pull him over on a lawnmower that's probably going at most three and a half miles an hour and giving him a DUI. (laughs) God damn, you guys got nothing else to do. What a fucking asshole. You know, the the things that people don't like about cops, which is several things, this is just just add this to the pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine there's no other criminal activity going on in Kansas, you know, i.e. piles and piles and piles and piles of methamphetamines. <laughs> I, you got to pull over some guy, some hard luck case driving his lawnmower. Yeah. It'd be on one thing shoulder. if he had the, uh, if he had the bull, like the mower deck engaged and he was spitting rocks out on the other cars, <laughs> you know, but if he's <laughs> yeah. just trying to get from point A to, he's trying to get to his Casey store so he can scrounge together. Buy another 12 pack. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a $2 slice of pizza and go back to his wonderful life. He just got made better by the Kansas PD. He probably didn't even know he could get a DUI on a lawnmower. I, it's one of those things is like golf cart, lawnmower. If it's got wheels, they'll give you a DWI on it because well, ultimately it's taxation by citation. They don't care. Be on a tricycle. If they think they can get your ass in a court and string you up and shake everything out of your fucking pockets, they're going to. Kansas woman gets life. For decapitating her ex-boyfriend's mom. Well, if you'd have stopped the ex-boyfriend, I'd said, yeah, but his mom, I bet his mom was a real bitch. Yeah. And, you know, usually, Colin, I do, I try to stay away from these sort of murder stories because they're so prevalent in Kansas. They're usually, you know, try to find morbid. the, yeah, you try to find the, <laughs> that's right, it is morbid. You try to find the uh, nuggets of gold and you got to surf through a very depressing state, which is Kansas. But this woman went the extra mile and cut her ex-boyfriend's mother's head off. And I felt like that deserved mention, I guess guess. Rachel Hilliard, of age 38, of Wichita, was sentenced Tuesday for the 2017 death of 63-year-old Mickey Davis of Wichita. Hilliard- and there's a lot of ways to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Think about the level of commitment it takes to saw their head off. Well, you know what I mean? Like, th- there's a, that is just brutal. That's, you know, you've accomplished your mission at some point in that journey. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to... You can just take a pillow over her face and suffocate her. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, but like, death you was- really got to want to put somebody to some suffering when you want to saw their head off. Yeah. <laughs> death was not the objective if you're cutting their head off. You know what I mean? Because you, yeah. you get to you the death to, part way early in that experiment. Yeah, sure. There's, but, some, there's something therapeutic about what you're doing. <laughs> she uh, she apologized at the hearing, which had members of the uh, victim's family in the Zoom call. Well, I'll tell you what, a Zoom apology, I'm sure, made it all better. Yeah, yeah. here's a Zoom apology for your loved one having their head sawed off by a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, I am not paying for Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm not paying for that carpet cleaning. I feel that even death would be too good for me right now. Every day and every night, I am so Sorry. When do you think she started feeling that way? Do you think she was when she was sawing through the vertebrae? She was feeling sorry. I'm guessing probably when she was caught and yeah. put in jail. I think that's probably more accurate. Authorities say Davis was attacked after going to Hilliard's home to pick up some of her son's property. Prosecutors said Hilliard had planned the killing. Hilliard claims that Davis fell during a struggle over a painting and that she carried out the decapitation because she thought Davis was dead and wanted to release her soul 
from her body. Good lord! Like now, it's getting screw her head off like a lid of a pickle jar. What's how does this work? I'm I'm starting to think this woman who decapitated someone may not have had all their marbles. (laughs) Yeah, this one might be something slightly (laughs) off about her. Yeah, she might have had some problems. So mission accomplished. Soul gone. So she'll be spending fifty years in prison, but nice soul removal. Yeah. Well, I mean, if uh, you know, murder's wrong, but if the if the objective is to get someone's soul out of their body, I mean, I can't argue with the tactic. <laughs> no, I mean, it has really thrown me off. Frankly, I was not expecting that. Me neither. All right, we have one final story. Uh, this is where I normally would be asking Caleb whether Kansas played any football, and I am just looking this up here now. And they were scheduled to play the Texas Longhorns. I kind of wish they had played because Kansas had an history beating them, but uh, they were canceled due to COVID reasons, so there was no Kansas football this weekend. I I imagine Kansas football fans at this point are cheering for COVID. (laughs) They have been already. They are bad. I mean, even by Kansas standards. I mean, I have watched a little bit of Kansas football this this, uh, winter, and my goodness. Who wins in it? It is grim. Who wins in a 2020 toilet bowl, Vanderbilt or Kansas? 0-9 versus 0-9. I I actually pick Vanderbilt at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's Kansas has has no pulse, but I don't know. It it would be the worst game to watch ever. <laughs> Probably so. Okay, Colin. Well, we like I said, we can't do sour grapes sadly this weekend. Hopefully, we will against the Stark Villains in Mississippi State because I'm sure they think they're better than Missouri. They've never heard of our team before. Yeah. They just assume they're better. I guess we could have done bragging rights sour grapes. Oh, no, we probably should have done some of that. Yeah, we got sent plenty of them, but I almost feel like I don't know. They most of the sour grapes I saw from Illinois were they're just blaming the refs. That's a classic loser move. <laughs> there was a big uh, pivotal call, but one of their guys hit our guy in the face. And the number of uh, phony, baloney foul calls that we've watched Tillman take over the last four years, I, fuck you guys. You take a bad call once in a while. Well, God, he got his fifth foul was the most phony, baloney, horseshit call I'd ever seen. That's true enough. Yeah. And that was a pivotal call. He's our only big man, really. We we'll go up against their monster centers, you know. No, we got that, that 7 3 guy who's also enormous, but not overtly talented yeah well either way either way the point is uh they didn't get hosed any more than we ever have no yeah it was a poorly officiated game it was a whistle happy game it was a good game and you know it was a really good game from the standpoint of it there's a there was a 700 whistles in it and it was still a good game it must have been you know, good. The, re- the referees tried to ruin it and they it was so good even they couldn't <laughs> great well let's switch back to football and uh, see what happened in the sec it's winding down people are finishing their season and it was kind of an interesting week in the sec there's one game in particular i want to talk about let's do it now we Waffle House, our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the Paul Finebot? Absolutely. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. All righty, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Let's get started. Let's do get started. Let's get some of the ugly ones out of the way quickly, Colin. Arkansas took on Alabama at Fayetteville. Number one, Alabama beat Arkansas 52-3. to <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, surprised no one. Alabama. Yeah, the most interesting thing from this game 
from Arkansas standpoint is they had one of their players gator roll the leg of a player. Yeah, it was uh, ugly. Dirtiest fucking fashion imaginable. Uh, just one week after Sam Pittman whined about integrity yeah. in post-game conference. <laughs> the sad thing for me was knowing that we let Arkansas score 48 points against us and Alabama didn't even let them get in the end zone. It's like, God, it's just such a discrepancy in talent. Let's get to the next ugly game of the day. Outcome not too surprising. Tennessee beats Vanderbilt 42 to 17. Tennessee having a floundering year doesn't mean much, but Vanderbilt's so bad, there's no way they were going to win this game. I saw some stuff on Twitter about, does this save Jeremy Pittman's job? And I'm just like, incorrect. Beating Vanderbilt? Like, I don't know if like, you're going to fire him you or mean? keep him. Yeah, sorry. If you're going to, does Pruitt keep his job? And it's like, all right, well, if you're going to fire him or keep him, how does anything that happens in the Vanderbilt game play into that? You know, <laughs> yeah, unless you they should've. lose to Vanderbilt, I mean, I can't imagine it can only hurt you, but how can beating this Vanderbilt team help you? Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you are going to fire your guy, you should have already decided it before you watched this ball game. You should be fired. Mississippi State played Auburn. Interesting to Tigers fans knowing that we have to go up against Mississippi State this weekend. Auburn beat Mississippi State 24 to 10 and then proceeded to fire Gus Malzahn. Not good enough. Yeah, I listened to Pat Forty on the uh, Tony Kornheiser show talk about this. And, you know, they think there's uh, Auburn is crazy and it's hard to disagree with him. I mean, he's got a very good winning record. He's three and six against Nick Saban, which is obviously not a winning record, but it's as good as you can hope for against Nick Saban. But Auburn has an expectation level that is pretty high. I mean, fuck, they fired Gene Chiswick two years after he won the national championship. You know, Gus Malls on is, uh, is on his way out. One thing that Pat Forty said that I was like, I'm not sure I agree with. He said that Auburn was probably like the fourth or fifth best like job in the NSEC. And I was like, really? I feel like I feel like that's pretty low. I feel like they're a blue chip program. I don't agree. I mean, I think yeah. that sounds right to me. I mean, you want to rank them at least to five, but like you've got Alabama at the top. I think you're going to probably want to say LSU, Georgia, and Florida are always fighting for that two spot. Well, I know the one program that I he did rank above them that I felt a little bit surprising was A and M. Yeah, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, what is A and M getting? What has A and M done in the last I don't know thirty fucking years? I don't know, but a lot of people are constantly high on them. Right. I mean, as far as like having endless resources, I guess, yes, it is a good program to work for. They sit on an oil field, you know, that's good. But, and and I mean, that's what makes Texas a a desirable job is that it has a ton of money behind it. But people, Texas has been a fucking black hole too, you know what I mean? Like it's supposedly one of the best jobs in college football, except everyone who goes there loses for the last 15 years. So, well, and I'll tell you what, you know, Molzon is not going to have a problem finding a job. No, I don't think so either. The thing about Molzon is that. Auburn has been looking for a reason to fire Malzahn for probably two years now. And yeah. he frankly hasn't really given them one to, you know what I mean? Like as long as he keeps getting eight and five records or nine and four records they're they're like, yeah, I guess we'll keep him for another year. And I guess the thing about it is this COVID year, I wouldn't think anybody would be firing their coaches. They seem to be firing them left and right. Well, this you know, is not the they, time they I'd want to mention that be- today, but basically they said that like Auburn's talking about how they're running like a $37,000 deficit. Million. Incorrect. You know but I mean? yes. Um, yeah. 37000 Pretty, incorrect. Yeah, incorrect. Like a thirty-seven million dollar deficit, and they're paying twenty-one million dollars to get rid of Malzahn. Now, obviously, the athletic department probably is not playing for that. 
boosters have decided to pull money, I'm sure, to buy out his contract. But still, $21 million in COVID palooza. Yeah. And I still, even then, I, they act like it's so easy just to throw together a few million dollars to get a buyout. I don't know that it's that easy, even in these big SEC programs. I mean, you're still asking people to lay out millions of dollars to cover your bad decision on hiring. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's still a tough ask, I'm guessing. One uh, of the local radio guys from Mizzou was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Malls on ended up on Drinkwitz staff. I'm like, hold up, pump the brakes. I'm like, what? I'm like, listen, Malzahn is not going to be assistant coaching anywhere. He is going to have another head coaching job waiting for him. Like, this yeah. is not a guy who left in disgrace. That's what I, mean, I was going to say. We're so Jones. We're so used to guys losing in disgrace or losing just after tanking a program. You know what I mean? Like Tennessee fires their guy because they're going one and ten in the. You know, what I mean they're they're doing terrible, and you know Arkansas terrible. These guys are tanking, and we're not used to seeing a guy just getting fired for not meeting expectations. It hasn't been maybe since Mark Richt that a guy. Yeah, got- that's what I'm saying. The, Mark Richt is the perfect analogy for me. Like he left uh, Georgia, and he ended up as the head coach at Miami. Like that Malzahn is not going to be assistant coaching for Eli Drinkowitz in Missouri. Please. Yeah. Well, he won the game, and lo- I guess he won the battle and lost the war because he's fired after the win over Mississippi State, which takes us to the final game of the day, which is the one I really wanted to talk about, Colin, with you, which is LSU 37 over the Florida Gators 34. <laughs> LSU led pretty much throughout, although Florida looked like they were going to come back and win this thing. In fact, they were going to win this thing. And you want to go into what happened, Colin, or should I? Or the uh, Please, you go ahead. Well, and I'm not going to go into it play by play because I didn't watch it like that. But essentially what happened was the Florida was going to win this game. They, they made a stop that would have kept LSU out of field goal range. And in the process of making the tackle, guy's shoe came off. Florida's player picked it up and chucked it in a stupid display. Just he chucked a shoe. Who throws a shoe? Honestly, nobody throws a yeah, shoe. The, the as shoe they say. hit the ground. The guy got themselves a, a 15 penalty. yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which put LSU into field goal range. They go ahead and poke the field goal in and beat the Florida Gators, eliminating any chance that Dan Mullen would be competing in any way for a national title. Because, well, first of all, they're not going to beat Alabama, so that's a big bullshit part of it anyway. But were they to at least, you know, with <laughs> before this LSU game, they could have made an argument that they still belonged in the top. Well, they don't at all anymore. Fuck Florida. If Florida fans are being honest with themselves after the behavior of Dan Mullen, is it surprising you to one of their players would make a boneheaded play like this? You know what I mean? Like, he encourages. We're talking about a coach who's going out and starting fights at the 50-yard line and coming on the field and firing up the crowd and wearing Darth Vader fucking outfits to press conferences. Yeah, I mean, instigating fights. Yeah, um, inviting COVID into his bedroom, much like he invites half the team to uh, kiss his wife. And then I find a wife who's forced me to wear the horns of a cuckold. He's a crazy lunatic, and he does. He encourages the worst in his players and everybody else around him. He's a terrible person. And he, he pulled the old fake news card. I don't know if you saw the press conference afterwards. Yeah, he Tom, tried to try to gloss over the, 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 he he a football to, play or something. Like, he tried to claim that that was <laughs> he tried to claim he didn't throw a shoe. You know what your eyes showed you during the game? That whole thing that you saw with your eyeballs. Ignore yeah. that. That's not true. Listen to me. Mm-hmm. He didn't throw it. Everybody else who has two fucking eyes and a working brain knew Dan Mullen is once again full of shit. Yeah, he's a good football coach and a just a box standard lunatic. 
You're right about that. All righty. Why don't we go ahead to next week, which is a weird week because not everybody's playing because the seasons have been so screwed up, obviously. On the 19th, we've got Ole Miss facing LSU. This one had been postponed a number of times. I mean, you've got four and four Ole Miss going two, four and five LSU. LSU's looking better coming off the big Florida win. Ole Miss trying to secure a 500 or better season in Lane Kiffin's first year. So LSU's coming on a one, one and a half point favorite on that one. So it's almost a pick them. Brendan, you obviously, because of Mrs. Mazadcast, watch a lot of Old Miss football. Are they yeah. overachieving, underachieving, doing what they're supposed to? What is what is your take on Old Miss? Well, I mean, you watched the Missouri-Arkansas game. That was basically every Old Miss game. I mean, if they, they've won those games and they've lost those games. They're four and five now, you know, and and or what are they? Four and four now. And so we we beat LSU in a shootout. I expect this one to be very similar to that. But Ole Miss has got a better offense than we do. But I think we might. As crazy as it sounds after that, George game have a better defense than Ole Miss. So that line, I wouldn't bet this line. You know what I mean? It's a, it's mm-hmm. a pick em. It's going to be take the over, though. <laughs> yeah. LSU. All right, Paul. Tennessee at three and six is going to take on Texas A&M, who is now number five in the country, just on the outside looking in on the college football playoff. Texas A&M is seven and one. I assume they are going to go into Knoxville and clobber the shit out of the volunteers. They are two touchdown favorites. Tennessee's playing like volunteers. People that would volunteer to be on a football team rather than get recruited to do so. And so I fully expect Andy to win this game. Paul liked that one. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> uh, all Yes, I agree that uh, Texas A&M is going to have no trouble with uh, with Tennessee. Texas A&M. All right. So Vanderbilt has uh, had their 10th game against Georgia canceled, not postponed, but flat out canceled. I think that's merciful for all involved. I don't even know if it's COVID related. They may have just said, we're not playing it. Yeah. We, we don't we, want we to know play the, football we, no we know the outcome. Yeah. It's going to be a turd pushing of the most violent order. So let's uh, just not risk the Georgia's players' health sodomizing a much inferior team. <laughs> sure. You're right about that. Now, the only game that is supposed to be happening next weekend, Colin, is the SEC championship game, number one, Alabama versus number six, Florida. Alabama's 10-0, and Florida 8-2 and on CBS at 7 p.m. Saturday night. Alabama is out of the gate, a 17-point favorite in the championship game. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Alabama. You know, I won't count Florida out completely because uh, Florida has two things that I'm always going to believe in, and that's a coach and a quarterback. So while I do not expect Florida to win, you know, I, I won't say there's a 0% chance they could win. And, you know, Florida has been trending down. Honestly, I feel like you look at a Georgia team, the one we saw with a intact quarterback, and I know they wish they could have another bite at the apple of Florida, frankly, because <laughs> certainly in the second half, Georgia looked like a better team than Florida. The Florida we faced was clicking on all cylinders, though. But man, this Alabama team, in a, in a year that it's nearly impossible to match up teams against each other because they played such different schedules and some teams have only played three games and blah 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 but god I'll tell you what where is alabama opinion, where's the flaw in alabama i don't know you're right it, the money should definitely be on alabama but florida is going to have a rare distinction playing alabama florida's going to have the best player on the field and that's kyle pitts he is the starting tight end on any team in the nation including alabama there is nobody and that I'm saying that knowing full well that Alabama has a bunch of Sunday players in their roster, but I have rarely seen a kid as good as as good as big as fast as Kyle Pitts is. Well, I think that comes down to if if Alabama's defensive line can overpower Florida, and that's a tall task because they have a good offensive line at Florida, then Alabama is going to win this thing out. And I do think that Florida doesn't have the defensive chops to keep up with Alabama. I mean, Alabama's a 17 point favorite for a reason. Listen, I'm not picking Florida. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Alabama. 
Yeah, we know, Paul. We know, we know. We know. They've got something that uh, Paul really likes. Nick Saban. All right, that leaves the final game of the season, basically, for us. Missouri, number 25 in the country until the rankings come out again. Five and four, trying to finish their season with a winning record going up against Mississippi State in Starkville. Mizzou is currently a two-point favorite. What do you think? Two-point favorite. My goodness. Well, Mississippi State is a not good team. And we are, I mean, listen, I think we should win this game. My biggest concern is this Mississippi State has had games where they sort of have offensive explosions and we, our defense has not played good the last couple of weeks. So I could see a Mike Leach team taking advantage of us, but I also don't have a lot of confidence in Mississippi State's defense being able to stop Drinkowitz either. So I don't know. Shootout. Hopefully, Missouri wins out. I'd feel better if I felt like Nick Bolton was 100%. Sure. I mean, I think this is a Mississippi State is a team that Larry Roundtree can run all over. Their quarterback, Will Rogers, is prone to throwing interceptions. I think if we get a turnover or two, and if Larry Roundtree does what Larry Roundtree has done all year long, there's every reason to think we should win this game. Honestly, when I see Mizzou as a two point favorite, I know we got clobbered by Georgia last weekend, but I think we'll have real reason to come out strong in this game. I think that's money I would take. I would take Missouri and the giving up two. Yeah, I may call my bookie tonight. All right, Paul, what do you think about this one? Who do you think is going to win? Mississippi State. Yeah, I kind of thought so. All righty. Well, Colin, that will do it for Around the Horn. One game left. I mean, Colin, I, I, I mean, it's weird. It's, it's mid December now. We still have regular season college football. I have no idea what the bowl picture looks like or really what it even means for us, but I think we're already long past the point in the season where we can say this has been a successful year despite recently having been beaten by. Georgia badly. Expectations were at a bare minimum this season, and we have exceeded that. Certainly, exceeded three wins, and um, like if we win this game, uh, our season will end on a winning note. Well, I guess ostensibly we will go to a bowl game, but on the whole, I think there, it's going to be hard for Mizzou fans to look at this football team and not feel optimistic about the future. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're looking at uh, going up against Mississippi State. These are two teams that beat a floundering LSU team this year, but. I- I mean, looking back on this season, beating LSU was a big deal, and I hope that's appreciated down the road, even though they're not good. And I think other people would be like, hey, you beat, you caught LSU in a bad year. We'll take LSU any year. It's LSU, and they just won the national championship last year. We're going to remember that Coach Drinkwitz did that in his first year at Mizzou. Like, if no, he has they success were down here. here. They're down. There's no bad about it. They were down, but they're a blue chipper. And we yeah. Yeah. And we'll, you know, if he has success here, we'll remember that it started like that. That's right. We drew the uh, short straw. We got the SEC Alternative Lifestyle Network again, 2.30 start this time, not 11 a.m. But I don't know how you feel about the end of college football. Are you going to miss it? Are you kind of ready for it to be over? Where where are you at with it right now? I tell you what, my enthusiasm has ebbed a little bit just with a thumping we took and and the realization that, I don't know, this is not, this, nothing's going to really happen this year. (laughs) You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. What I'm excited about is like next season. I'm ready for next season right now. Like I'm <laughs> done with this season to, have got, you know, if you know what I mean. Like, all right, I know what we are this season. Like I get it. It's been nice. Let's, let's hurry up and get to the, get to next season. You know, I want to see what we are next yeah. year. Yeah, I do too. I think we definitely feel like we're building something in football. And, you know, other than getting beaten by Georgia when we just scraped into the top 25, I mean, we had a, a brief second where we had a top 25 football team and basketball team felt like at the same time. 
that it's been a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's, gotcha. And we should appreciate this because uh, things have been a lot worse on the sports front for the old Tigers. I feel good about both teams, really. And and it's fun to do podcasts whenever you've got good teams to talk about. Brennan, we've we had years where we were pretty bit bad on the football field and Kim Anderson was our head basketball coach. So let's let's just revel in this for just a just a short time. Speaking of reveling in it, Colin, is there a performance in a bad game like this that you can say uh, deserves an award? You know, the, the biggest award we can give out, the one that honors the flaxen hair of Kirk Farmer. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair, player of the game. I'll tell you what, our punter did a heck of a job. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. He did. You know, Martez Manuel played well, but yeah, it's it was it's hard to really. I mean, the second half was so dismal. It it's really is. It's hard to come up with somebody. You got anybody in mind? No, I mean, I was hoping that you were going to have. Some, I mean, it was the uh, the least amount of production we really see from Nick Bolton on a day to day basis. I think he's always the guy I go to when I don't know who to name. You know, because he's so steady. Well, that's but, how I feel like I knew he was not feeling. I mean, he did not look fast. He, I, I saw him out of position several times. Like he was not a hundred percent. Let's just go with, uh, Martez Manuel. He played well. He had a couple tackles for loss and he played as well as anyone did on this defense. Yeah. I think that's fair. He, not, that's a low bar, but hey, we, <laughs> yeah. In honor of having to name someone, congratulations. You're the player of the game. And Brendan, really, for the TJ Mode Douche of the Week, there's a couple of different candidates. I'd like to hear your candidates. Well, there's the uh, Arkansas player Gator rolling somebody's legs. Yeah, that's always a bad move. Obviously, Dan Mullen being a complete horse's ass after the game's f- screaming fake news. Well, I think um, you, you've got to include the player who actually threw the shoe. Who throws a shoe? Honestly, as a douche. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty douchey. Um, we like to not award it for on the field behavior, but that's extracurricular. That's pretty douchey. Dabo Sweeney crying because Ohio State might get into the college playoffs with only five games under their belt. Yeah. Um, was pretty douchey. Though I don't necessarily completely disagree with it. He was really douchey in the delivery. Sure. Um, I mean, we, so. we can always fall back on any one of Clay Travis's tweets. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like you can always, yeah, it's named after TJ Mo for a reason as well. But, um, I'm going to go with the gator role because that's his, that's somebody's livelihood. I mean, you're trying to rip up their, the tendons and ligaments in their knee. That's, that takes a special kind of douche. Yeah. I knew that got under your skin. I could see you put out some tweets about it. And I guess probably the hypocrisy of Sam Pittman being the coach. Yeah. That, especially the, the week after all that integrity talk. Yeah. All the pearl clutching by Sam Pittman, who looks, looks frankly like a Flintstones character. He's built like a Flintstone, <laughs> like Fred Flintstone. Well, Brennan, I don't know if you know this, but I've heard several people say in Fayetteville, you see his bare feet coming out the bottom of his car when he drives around town. <laughs> yeah. He had them remove the floorboards yep. from his car when he moved They've into often Fayetteville. seen an entire rack of ribs sat on the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're, they're dinosaur ribs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm settled in. I'm ready for one more week. I uh, I want to see us end on a strong note. I'd love to see us beat Mississippi State. Fuck the Bulldogs. Fuck Mike Leach and everything like that. So we should win this game. We we should we should have the expectation to win this game. And if we don't win this game, we should have lots of voicemails because you, your expectation as fans, uh, in my opinion, should be this is a winner. I agree. So until Saturday, M I Z Z O U. You should be fired.
and struggling. Niggas crossing they homies. I come from roaches and rats. Like bread and baloney. I come from no pop at home. Watching TV alone. Maybe that's why sometimes I wish niggas just leave me alone. I come from mama just working. All my clothes hand me down. From a musical city. I'm in love with them sounds. It take me off to a place. Hard to explain in my rhyme. I think if music didn't exist, I probably wouldn't be alive. I come from Caddies and Chevys. Crack rocks and junkies. Come from curls and gold teeth. Money over the hundreds. I don't know how I got here. Niggas ask me my secret. Not so good with my money. And the weed I be needing. The champion with the flow. Since I jumped off the post. Actually, I got pushed. I wasn't ready to go. That little voice in my head. I can't stop it from talking. My destiny is with God. I'm just smoking and walking. Live for the moment. Live for the moment. Don't try to give somebody something if they don't want it. What you feed will live. What you starve will die. Hard to see when niggas got the bright lights in their eyes. Survivor 